0: Co-host Jared Lee and I'm Ben Rose, and I'm not alone.
1: You are not. We are joined today by James Willison, managing director at WCL. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me. Lovely,
2: uh, lovely to be here. What, what an amazing
1: setting. Right? Yeah, welcome, welcome to the studio.
2: <laughs> yeah, feels like a very professional setting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we do our best, um, but you, you've been in the industry. We'll, we'll dive straight in. Um, kind of get love to get an intro on on yourself and sort of how you landed in the space. Um, the sort of reinsurance insurance technology space that WCL occupies. And we'll sort of unpack a bit about what you guys do as a business and would love to dive into this episode about sort of London markets ambitions, the sort of innovation efforts we're sort of pushing here for this market. But but first, tell us a bit about your journey into reinsurance technology. Yeah,
2: so like a lot of people, I assume uh, I didn't, it wasn't necessarily the... uh the uh, immediate path I was due to take so my background was, was law and accountancy originally I mm-hmm. um, did a couple of jobs uh, for the government for a while um, also worked in the uh, hospitality industry uh, and then so I worked for a consultancy firm uh, who were focused purely in the London insurance market looking at reform uh, electronic placing electronic claims electronic accounting very similar themes to to what we see today um, Worked for that consultancy firm for a number of years and then got the opportunity to join Web Connectivity, WCL, kind of a, in its infancy. We've been mm-hmm. going for, for 20 years. I've been there for 18 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, as MD, um, wasn't a real technologist by background, um, which I think was seen as a positive for mm-hmm. running a, a technology company in the in the London market to a certain extent. Uh, and have yeah been there ever since, been through two acquisitions during that time, which has nice. been... Um, which I think means my job isn't the same, yeah. <laughs> you know. Over that period of time, it's, it's varied quite a bit. But
1: yeah. yeah, and w- give the the listenership a very high level of sort of what WCL does and what you're trying to achieve. So at the, at the absolute highest level,
2: uh, we're looking to securely move data and documents between trading partners, so yeah. brokers, insurers, brokers and reinsurers, cedents and reinsurers. Um, that's at the very sort of top level. We then look at each. Sort of functional insurance so uh placement so exchanging capital for for risk uh accounting and settlement so kind of moving the cash or, or establishing what the of money should be and then the claims processes and i guess any aspect of those which are done manually today so whenever we're re-keying information in that in that uh process we're then
0: allowing the automation of that yeah brilliant now and you, you've been roped in because of your extensive experience here because i know the audience of the reinsurance podcast has been putting up with our sort of loose global reinsurance knowledge over a period of time but never really the granular detail of what's been going on especially in the london market especially around technology i think you know Mm -hmm. i started my own journey within london market technology in 2013 right and then it seemed like you know every new thing that happened was the brand new next biggest thing that was going to, you know, yeah. take over the market and mm-hmm. transform yeah. it. But I presume you've seen versions of that story happening all the way back to the early yeah. 2000s, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. it, it's a kind of
2: positive and negative to, to a certain extent. Yeah. So, so we haven't fundamentally changed what we're trying to do, mm. um, but we've had various iterations or various goes at it. And that, yeah. that has a, a sort of positive and negative connotation in terms of how people perceive it. Um, I think if we take today's example specifically so so there's project which is blueprint 2 which mm-hmm. by very definition there was a blueprint 1 so <laughs> yeah. blueprint two. so you know the, 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 we are always evolving and I think mm-hmm. working towards the, the the right result um if we take uh blueprint 2 um there's certain london market infrastructure I don't know it's this is kind of these these systems which sit at the heart of the london market mm. um they were First came online in the nineteen seventies, so this is relatively old technology. And at the time, it, you know, for its time, it was it was very uh, kind of futuristic. You started doing messaging, moving structured data about, and no one else was really doing that. Mm. Um, and if we look at its essence of what Blueprint Two is saying to do or looking to do now, is take those two um, or those two sets of infrastructure, Bosch and Liz, and replace it with something called IPoS and ICOS. So they're rebuilding from the ground up a new set of infrastructure in doing that sort of phase one is to replicate the same messages which come out Mm. today Mm -hmm. same uh same sort of data but it allows them to use globally um internationally recognized standards from phase two so they actually align london with the rest of the world and that's the, the really key element is that they if we go back to the 1970s there weren't standards everywhere else it was it was paper and manual processes the rest of the world has, has moved on during that time they've adapted or adopted sorry um, internationally agreed accord standards they're being used elsewhere all around mm. the world London is sort of held on to this proprietary standard proprietary messaging and that's that's started to get to the stage where it, it holds London back yeah. a little bit so if you line mm. London to the rest of the world it makes it easier to do business into London and then all the efficiencies which which come on the back of that
1: yeah that's interesting you, you mentioned that in sort of the 70s when this was sort of first kicking off there weren't those standards do you have any thoughts as to why London didn't push or introduce that like how do how is it that they sort of stuck to the one and then everyone else created their own version and then they had now now we have to sort of adapt back but we could have had it where London sort of pushed their standards out earlier is that yeah I I think you 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 very
2: quickly get into the the sort of londonisms oh i mean there's a Mm -hmm. whole technology debate you can have i mean we were talking about edi standards back in the 70s when it was created now generally if you're having a standard it wouldn't be edi it'd be xml and then you've got json standards and other uh, data standards which are evolving so it's very hard once you've been the first to kind of push that through if some of the the um technology become dated so there's a kind of um an issue there i do think and and it's actually a a kind of caveat that I'll add to the to the blueprint 2 piece at the moment is that you can um, you can recreate or oh sorry that that the standards were set up to be very very specific and proprietary to the London market yeah. and you know the rest of the world doesn't operate in the same way as London mm. I mean, so very basic example you have the London market Bureau or valenetic as it now is or Joint venture, as it's mm. previously called, uh, exchanging, insurance services, you know, a whole li- But that piece that's at the centre, that doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah. So all of the data centers which revolved around that weren't then applicable necessarily to, to yeah. elsewhere.
1: And that's a result of the original London structure being all the syndicates that operate in one way independently and in another way collectively, which, does, as you said, doesn't exist elsewhere. That, Companies yeah, yeah, act concept, for yeah. themselves everywhere else in the world. With. Yeah,
2: and I think it's a really important note in there as well is that you've got in the london market you have all the Lloyd's managing agents and the syndicates within that but also there's an entire london company market which is operating which utilizes the bureau as well sort of Mm. outside of lloyd's but that's you know a a similar if not the same size marketplace so you've got this london market which is made up of the lloyd's and the company market with that central bureau and the, the Benefits of that central bureau in terms of central settlement, you know, are, are, are mm. fantastic. You know, the actual yeah. physical money which has to move um, because of the central settlement or the the reduction in physical money that actually has to move is is uh, a real like a crown jewel of the of the London market.
0: See, and just to take a quick step back, so we yeah one of our most popular countries for listenership is not London. It is now. <laughs> <laughs> for example, and, and we've got you know people listening are probably newer to reinsurance. If we were to try and put this in really simple terms, we, we've talked about things like standards and this concept of a message, which actually I remember when I first came into the industry, this especially as somebody who was more of a digital native, yeah. this concept of a message was the most elusive thing. <laughs> I was like, what, what do you mean? Why, who's a, a machine is sending a messa- yeah, e- yeah. an email? Or, or what is this message thing? It'd be great to, to get your sort of like, how, how does the legacy market work? It, you know what, what is this method of exchanging files or information or or otherwise yeah so you've
2: you've got in the in the in the legacy market so if we, we let's go through a non-london yeah kind of uh, example as such so a uh, broken underwriter will ag- agree a reinsurance contract and i suspect there's been some conversations there's been some emails that mm-hmm. go around there is then a a document which has been. Uh, finalized. Um, the The issue that occurs at that point is that those contracts are complex, with the best way in the world, and yeah. they're not sort of straightforward. And the broker will be uh, capturing information about that contract within their broking application system, their, their administration system. Meanwhile, the reinsurer will also be capturing information, and you've got a central document which is complex to, to get to understand and the interpretation of both the broker and the reinsurer could well be different so the expected premium with them f- flows through well the the broker obviously is invoicing the customer the broker is mm-hmm. collecting that invoice they are uh, collecting that premium mm-hmm. they'll share that with the uh or look to pay that to the reinsurer in the legacy world they'll send a spreadsheet in support of that saying here's are all the, the premiums that i've collected here's a single payment that i'm making uh and then the reinsurer has to take a single sort of monetary transaction with a associated spreadsheet, and then work backwards and say, "Well, actually, at that individual transaction level, I, I didn't, I didn't mm. agree that. I, that's not what I sort of uh, took away from the policy." So you end up with this kind of mismatch. Um, very late on, as in the the castle, the uh, the clients pay the broker; it's the you know, premium that's owed to the reinsurer. They're, they're keen to collect that and make that money on their books. So if we take the idea of a Know, kind of a message, like sort of at, at its at its notional level, the broker can book the transaction into their broking system. Say, right, you know, I, you know the contract's been agreed. This is my interpretation of that contract. Before I invoice the clients, my system will generate a structure, a set of structured data, mm. an invoice. You know. This this yeah. is this is the amount of premium that we are going to look to pay for you at the point this account becomes payable. So once we've mm. collected the money, we'll look to pay you this amount, and they can share that structured data with the with the reinsurer, and the reinsurer can look at that, compare that to policy, and go, I I agree that, or I don't, mm. and I can have a sort of a, a kind of query loop back and understand and get to that agreement way ahead of the client paying because the client on a 30 days 60 days 90 days terms of trade let's get all of that query processing up front so so that's a uh, the transition that the legacy market went to in the uh, in the sort of messaging world they started using that structured data to give early sight of what the broker booked to the reinsurer or to the insurer and they can get to a position of agreement so when the client pays the money's been pre-authorized so you have um your unreconciled cash effectively goes down to
0: to zero, yeah. and these are the the XML messages. Yes, yeah. this is yeah typically the yeah ebot you can uh, (laughs) because people hear these terms and they're like
2: well i don't think we make it easy for ourselves so you've got (laughs) so you've got ebot ecot which is electronic back office transactions so Mm -hmm. the um the technical account information for premiums the the statement information that you get um you've got ecot which is the claims messaging as well so initial claims advice reserve changes kind of all Mm -hmm. go through and uh, so you've got these standards for that there's an initiative. Which was set up 15 years ago, to specifically to look at, and it started in the reinsurance community. It's been extended out to the insurance community. That's the Rushlicon initiative, which is mm-hmm. sort of doing that. And when we look at again, sort of pulling it back to, to Blueprint Two and adopting these standards, what they're actually saying is that the phase two of Blueprint Two will be to use the Ebot and Ecot standards, which have been um, sort of utilised for 15 years elsewhere in the well, yeah. in the rest of the world, which is a really positive thing. Yeah. My, my caveat which I'll come back to as I mentioned earlier is is you know we've to be really I guess um, intentional not to add back in any kind of London market process yeah. like if, if, if you're going to be aligned with the rest of the world then be aligned with the rest of the yeah. world let's kind of this let's, let's build on the experience of what these companies have been doing it 15 years recognizing these companies will have a London market platform as well as a sort of a, a London market platform bureau platform as well as a non-bureau platform as well so yeah. you know they want they don't want to have a different back-end process for their london market business yeah well.
1: yeah there's a bunch of interesting nuance to that so you have like the company accounts in london or the company sort of entities in london and then the the divisions of those entities entities that either sit as syndicates or as sort of bureau markets as well yep. which means they sort of lend themselves into this bigger framework that allows them to be structured that way is yeah and and i think it's really important to
2: note that, that people have a sort of choice in that so that yeah. they they have a physical stamp and we're still yeah. in certain situations still in the kind of physical stamp world and that stamp can either push the business or the broker then roots that business through the bureau mm. or it doesn't it does on a mm-hmm. sort of peer-to-peer basis and, and both are available so we yeah. you know, we need to really be clear that there there's a good intent to go down the route we are, which there is, but the, the benefits they need to kind of come through on that, yeah. on that basis.
1: Do you see there being an opportunity off the back of Blueprint to for the London market more broadly to not only like catch up to the rest of the world in some ways, but reestablish itself as like a central center of excellence in that every company if we look at worldwide, every company has to act independently in their ambition to modernize. Mm. Where if you can take the London market and get that collective alignment, you might be able to move the entire market directionally one way more quickly than the speed in which you could get every single individual entity around the world in that same. Is that kind of the ambition underlying Blueprint 2? I, I think it's got to be.
2: I, and mm. I think if we think of Blueprint 2 as being, you know, it, it, uh, it comes online on the 1st of July next year, and that's the project that everyone's, well, that's the kind of end date that everyone's working towards, then we're. Then we've looked at it the wrong way i mean that, mm. that should be seen as that right the first of july is the start date yeah. next year um for the kind of phase one so that sets in place the the new cloud based infrastructure that's there so there's that then allows the kind of the future to happen with phase two you have this alignment then to the rest of the world that's kind of a good thing you've then got some efficiencies around that there should be we should be able to speed up premium payment and claims payment Let's be honest. Claims payment is the kind of, you know, that mm. that is our product as a yeah. as an industry. So we need to be able to make sure um, that that is uh, appropriately done. But once you've then got a sort of uh, digital standards, or you, you're moving data around in much more kind of seamless way, then it's like, well, what are the next? What's the opportunity that that affords? It, it's, it's not a case of right. We've we've now aligned ourselves to the rest of the world. That's it. It's, it's job done. We- yeah. <laughs> Blueprint three uh, said no one ever. Um, uh, it's like, what do we that? you know, what, how do we build on that? How, mm-hmm. how do we then say, right, we've now established ourselves? And that's where the things l- like having central settlement, like having a central bureau which allows work to be done on behalf of the many by a single, you know, we are a syndicated market still. So if you can streamline some of those, um, streamline some of those activities, it makes London all. Know, maintains its competitive advantage or it, it allows it to kind of catch up depending on your <laughs> location and how you see London mm-hmm. sort of currently. But yes, yeah, so it, it has to be the the sort of start of the journey. And, and yeah, we, we've, I think as anyone will, will attest to, we never done in reforming the London market. Mm. No one's ever going to yeah, say, right, yeah. that's it. We've yeah. we've, we've, we've reformed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's not kind of the process.
0: And, and I'm sure there's like some relatively unsung heroes and successes that have taken place where we've at least overcome some pretty big challenges along the way, or at least made them less yeah. painful than they were. What, yeah, what yeah. for you, are sort of the highlights of... You know even the last twenty years really that we had to I, I mean I'll th- figure out these things and we actually found a way to do it
2: yeah I, I think that's uh, it's a it's a really good question because I think we do often beat ourselves up mm. as a marketplace especially when it comes to large you know kind of technology projects because they're not always um covered in covered in glory to me there's a few notable highlights so so claims processing so again I'll come back to. Claims has got to be the key focus, I think, of any mm. reform agenda. Because if you're that, that's where you get your real um, uh, customer benefit. Mm. You know, if we, we're providing a better service to customers on that basis, um, we don't have to go too far back in history to to have a claims file, which was a physical paper document. If you had multiple agreement parties to that, that claims document had to physically be taken from office to office, yep. and that and that genuinely meant taking a claims file into an office, putting it into a sort of filing system on the side of the wall and coming back the next day to collect it, hoping that they'd you know, the agreed it and then go to the next. So you've got a process which by very definition is in series. So it's very hard. You can make small incremental changes. You can say, well, I'm only going to leave for half a day. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're overall, you're not, you're not transforming it. So to have an electronic claim file and say, right, we're going to create a claim file, which is then available to everyone at the same time, we can then make a, take a process which is in series, put it in parallel, speed up yeah that and the 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 claims repository i think now is the world's largest docking repository Mm. Uh, it's it's uh it it was a and it wasn't necessarily well it it wasn't embraced with open arms at the time Mm. when it was first set up there were some challenges in doing Mm. that but i think now if you try to roll back and go to paper then it's not going to be um yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't be thanked for that um I think we've also got to mention, sort of, trading platforms, placing platforms. You know, we've you know, it's, it's, we have been through a pandemic. They shut the the Lloyd's um, room, got shot shot for the first time ever. And you mm-hmm. think about what's happened in you know, since the 17th century, and various things that have happened over history to to never shut it before, and then have it shut. That is a you know, kind of once in a well, not even generational. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a that's a major event if we didn't have some of the technology support of placing platforms, trading platforms, that would have had a, mm. a, a significant detrimental impact on it. Well, I don't know how the market could have really, you know, mm-hmm. stayed relevant or, yeah. or, or survived. So so to have some of that technology, you know, again, not always greeted with open arms when it
0: first comes to market, but but actually people were like, well, it's a very good job that was there and good yeah. place otherwise. Yeah, yeah. be... And does it? I mean, some some of the challenges, I guess, are probably still unsolved as well. I'd be interested here where some of those maybe WCL are working on, yeah, uh, in particular. But all sorts of things you have to mm. decide to get a standard way of communicating so much information across everyone.
2: Uh, yes. Yeah. I, and I, and I, there are, you know, sort of nuances within that, mm. and then within standards, a very is a very sort of tricky play you know if you look at and i know people often juxtapose sort of banking to insurance and, and, mm-hmm. and that's a and i think if you try and look at those two it's not that helpful i think i think you know banking typically is very much transactional it is you know, this person is paying this person on this date for this amount and i you know there's a currency element to it there, yeah. there's very defined things we're not in that world in the kind of insurance so um i think if you try and have complete rigidity um that can be a real sort of challenge and so our our role often as a as a kind of messaging provider providing that plumbing or connectivity between the different trading parties is to just take out some of that noise so Mm -hmm. to almost allow people to who have adhered to the standards but there is some sort of flexibility built into that standard yeah allow them to communicate to someone else who's adhered to the standard but using flexibility in a slightly different kind of way. So, you know, we're not a case where two people just be able to, you know, Mm. it's not quite that straightforward plug and play, and that's why you end up with plumbing in between just to sort of ease the commerce. Yeah,
1: and you can see over time, everyone sort of solved some of these problems independently. And so they looked at the way that they tackled it for the unique way that their business did that thing. And another company tackled the same exact problem, but with a slightly different, sort of angle they approached it from or direction they approached it from but compounded over generations and technology iterations now you're left with trying to get them all back to a single way to do something and they also had to figure out the way that they convert or manage to that new standard that new sort of position i I think that's the real challenge with the with the london market
2: being very used to doing things in a kind of london specific way adapting to a Global standard and and, and, yeah. and resisting the temptation to kind of go well we're a little bit different, so we're mm, yeah. going we're going to keep doing it this way well then you very quickly kind of unravel some of those things but yeah the, the, it's a it, it's a real challenge the, yeah. the, the yeah, getting you, you've got one element which is the standard, so you have the the data standard which is published you then have a kind of a business process or a kind of interpretation mm. Of that standard, no mm. one quite interprets it it's in the.
0: There's a, there's a business process element to moving data around, not just a straightforward "here's the here's the data." Yeah. And I guess London is often a, a pioneer to some extent in things like new lines of business that yep. previously it you know, might not have had a mapping, or will make an existing mapping look very weird if you start pouring, you know, lots of that new line. I like mm. think cyber's relatively yeah. new in that respect, or I, yeah, some of the the classes that are popping up nowadays, like the innovation type things. You, how, how does the market respond when, when the standard needs to change as well? I suppose yeah. must be quite interesting. I mean companies the, acquire each other, and yeah, the change. <laughs> you know, well yeah, the, the regions change even at this rate. You know.
2: Yeah, I mean, the the, 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 the nuances then between like different different countries, different uh, class of business. I, there is a not wanting to get massively into the the nuts and the, and the, the nuts and, and bolts, yeah, bolts sure. of the, the yeah. standards piece, but yeah. there is an interesting. Which I think is a be- uh, again is a benefit. So so we're typically looking at the large commercial yeah. and reinsurance standards. So there is a specific standard for the so it's global large, large commercial and reinsurance, different from the kind of PNC standards you tend to have in the US. All within an accord, all within that kind of um, structure of, uh, of 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 standards. Um, but the route the US took was to have um, like each line of business had its own standard. So you then have systems which are very kind of product based. So yeah. what we're going to do we've got a new product so we need to add this line of business to our existing product set. Within the um, large commercial reinsurance standard class of business is, uh, is an element within the the structure. So you so you you don't necessarily get all the mm-hmm. granularity that you'd have in in a sort of very specific line of business, but it gives you a lot more sort of here's a here's a standard message. It's the same regardless of which line mm-hmm. of business that you're using. Which, when it comes to the, the back office processes, the accounting and settlement, and the, the claims element to it, rather than placing, that's a real like that's a really good place to be. So you're not having to create a whole new accounting settlement standard because you've got a new cyber risk, yeah. for example. Yeah. So yeah, there is the um, it does raise some challenges on the placing side and um, around the data bit. Yeah
1: um we're running up on time now, but I had one uh, last question I wanted to end on as we sort of are approaching the summer deadline for blueprint 2 to sort of yep. kick off what are the things that excite you about that ambition and what are the things that you sort of look towards with apprehension or <laughs> timidity <That's> of... <laughs> a, um yeah and it's 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 a good question
2: because there are those two those two emotions are absolutely high <laughs> like like this is a great time for yeah. the like you know, London market there are some things uh so whenever you have a you know central infrastructure which has been around for a very long time you have a a drop dead date when that infrastructure will effectively uh, be no longer communicating out to the market mm-hmm. the, the brand new infrastructure that's been built everyone has to connect to that so you know that's probably 500 companies that that, that kind of impacts from a single day and and if that infrastructure is not um or if people are unable to connect to that infrastructure in an appropriate way, that has a direct impact on the movement of premium and the movement of, cl- movement of claims. Yeah. So these are these are kind of big ticket issues. So I think, um, you know, we are going around with oh, through a process with all of our customers at the moment, just making sure they're all, obviously they're all aware of Blueprint too, but then just talking through some of the mechanics of what does this you know mean to you as an organisation? Yes, you need to connect to a different set of infrastructure. But those messages you've been getting since the 1970s, which have been processing through a black box into your policy administration system, which no one has touched and no one has looked at, mm. you know, just need to be really kind of conscious and, uh, yeah. and aware that when that switches over, that everything's going to work in the way that you expect it to. And, and therefore testing becomes quite sort of you know, yeah. critical within that. Um, so there's that element. And, and it's everyone on the same day it's a kind of so there's there's no there's no immediate way that i can see to to roll back it's kind of going to be a fix forward from that position mm-hmm. So that yeah <laughs> these are <laughs> these are things which are you know yeah. uh, <laughs> technology point of view are, yeah. are uh, uh you know would, would, would keep you awake at night i think yeah. sense. Um, on the flip side i mean i think hopefully we've kind of covered the the, the positive elements to it by by aligning ourselves in this way by Using structured data, but being much more efficient as a marketplace, um, is a really good, solid sort of platform to to build on from there, Um, and which should then have a um, a very positive impact for the London market going forward. Which is a market which is close to
1: certainly close to my heart and close to the heart of many of our customers in, uh, in that period of time. No, excellent. And we'll end there. That was a fabulous answer, and yeah, it's a it's a market that's ever changing, and you guys are at the heart of it as we are. So excited to to watch it with you. Thank excellent. you for joining us. James. Oh, absolute pleasure. It's been a delight. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. It Until next time.